And I just know in my real world, it's like, I'm not even going to argue with you. You you can go ahead and believe that if you want. I just, I just, I, I know in the real world that pushing harder and training harder than I did last time is what it's going to take to, to make progress. So I'm all about the real world and, and just having fun with it. You know, think about it. Think about, think about, you know, how is that, how is that activating? Because here's the deal. I don't think that most people are paying attention to activation in the muscle. You know, mm-hmm. I think that when they're in the gym, they're just training the movement. You know, they're doing a bicep curl and they know that their arm goes from, you know, one position to the, to the, to the next position. They're not thinking about like, well, what's that muscle really doing? What are the other muscles that are, that are, you know, being used in there as well? And then what can I do to change that or alter that, get more out of it, you know? The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Podcast. Hey, thank you for checking into this here edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. For this episode, Colt and I catch up with our good friend, Scott McNally. Scott is a digital media creator. He's the producer and host of all things fitness podcasting, including the host at Advices Radio and the co-host at Bodybuilding Nerds Radio. He's also a nutrition coach. During this episode, you will hear us catch up with Scott since the last time we spoke with him. We'll also talk about the benefits of training at home at a gym at home which is kind of convenient here with the whole COVID thing. Exercise variations while using the same equipment. Scott's philosophy on personal training, recovery in general, and recovery from an injury, and much more. So be sure to follow Scott McNally on all the socials, and make sure you stream, download the podcast from all places where you get podcasts from. Uh, you're going to love Advices Radio and Bodybuilding Nerds Radio to catch up on all things fitness and nutrition. So without further introduction, here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Colt. Absolutely. And with us on the line today, our good friend and returning guest, Scott McNally. How you doing today, Scott? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. Great to be here. Yep. It's good to see you. It's good to yes. see you on our first video show that we've ever had with you. And yes. as, a, as a matter of fact, the last show that we had was a series called Back to the Basics, we talked about just the basics of being in shape, uh, nutrition, bodybuilding, all of that. We had a great time on that show. It's just been too long since we've heard from you and seen you. So definitely welcome back, my friend. Well, definitely. Thanks to have me. Nice to see you guys, too. You guys have uh, you've, you've evolved. You've kept up with the world of podcasting. Yes, it's evolved. And, uh, and you managed to get in right before, uh, right before everybody started a podcast. So you could say you're one of the, like almost an OG now, you know, almost an OG. Almost I like OG. that. I like that. <laughs> a- AOG. Almost, almost OG. <laughs> there you go. I'll, there I'll you take go. it, man. So yeah, Scott, uh, catch us up on what's been going on with you over this past like, almost year and a half, man. I know you've been wow. doing some expanding and some growing and some moving and all kinds of great stuff. So wherever you want to uh, start, just kind of catch us up. Wow, I'll uh, I'll try not to bore everyone, but um, <laughs> take my dog's collar off here too. By the way, she's making all sorts of racket. Um, gosh, I mean, well, about uh, back at the beginning of March, uh, my significant other Victoria was here. I don't think you guys have had her on the show, but I I feel like you guys would have a fun time talking with Victoria Falcar. She's a researcher uh, focused on uh, female hormones, specifically in in athletes. Um, anyway, though, she came out here, so we go to the Arnold classic and, uh, she's from Canada. So we can only spend so much time together at once before the, the law gets a little bit, uh, concerned that maybe it's, it's more like the IRS is concerned that she's making money here, you know? Gotcha. So, uh, before she has to go home and usually we spend, you know, three weeks here in the U S that I spend a few weeks over there, we kind of spend split our time really between Canada and the U S uh, so right after the Arnold Classic at the beginning of March, uh, the world shut down and she was here with me for the first couple months of that. And then, uh, you know, she kind of didn't want to overstay her welcome. So she went home and since has been uh, and you know, we're, we're, we're separated. We're stuck now that way. So that's the way things are going to be uh, until we can uh, see, you know, until we can make some changes in the future. But, man, we're in a period of time where I think we've all been through a lot of changes, you know, with, uh, with, with everything that's happened. It's interesting because, um, you know, we made the jump to YouTube here uh, almost a year ago now and to video really. Um, and, uh, I'm seeing now so many people since 
the shutdown, since the quarantine began, uh, so many more people that are getting involved with Zoom and, you know, and, and uh, podcasting and videos. So it's interesting to see the market has changed so much. So, uh, you know, when you, when you say, you know, what's been going on, I guess a lot's been going on and a lot's been going on for all of us. So basically I'm just keeping up with the times here, uh, trying to, to ride this wave. I found that our, our viewership over at uh, Advices Radio and now Think Big Bodybuilding Media, which is our YouTube channel, is really growing, uh, especially especially like during the hard parts of the quarantine. Uh, There's a lot of people that you know just were kind of stuck and they didn't really get a lot of interaction with people outside of their little bubble. So I think podcasts became a lot more popular for people to watch and listen to and then for people to do too you know so it's Mm -hmm. like i feel like since i spoke to you guys last for me a lot has changed you know my my relationship status is definitely very different um business podcasting is very different too since then i built an entire gym in my basement uh with commercial equipment and i started personal training as well uh gyms being shut down uh i now i have people that are kind of concerned they don't want to go back to the gym because they're afraid of, you know, getting sick or something. So it's it's interesting, man. From the last time we talked till now, I think a lot has changed for all of us. So you moving your mm. gym to your basement, was that because of COVID or is that was that just a plan beforehand or did that happen before all this started happening? I had a couple pieces okay. um, before the, the shutdown, which were not even in use. I had a couple pieces in my parents' basement from when I was a kid. Um, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, um, what do they call that? Standard, uh, a bunch of standard uh, free weight. That's like the little hole, you know, no Olympic free weight. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I had uh, an old bench and, uh, and I had an old lat pull down. The pull down I learned how to pull down on was my dad's friend. I inherited it from him when he moved into a condo. All those were things were just in storage pretty much, but I broke it all out during the quarantine and I discovered I really enjoyed training from home. Also, I work from home, so it saves me time. Right. Um, the only downfall is I get out less. So it's nice sometimes to take a break and get out of the house to go train and go to the grocery store, stuff like that. But uh, so in part because of COVID, in part because I've been really enjoying it. You know, I was forced to initially, and now I found a lot of a lot of pleasure in training from home. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's something I want to I want to keep doing. So I expanded. I bought a leg press, a hack squat, dumbbells up to 115 pounds, um, you know, a bunch of other equipment. So uh, what, is, what do I have? Extension, hamstring curl, and a uh, power rack. So between that, the pull down, the low row, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pretty much set. So I started taking some clients, and it's cool because everything I do with podcasting, it's, uh, it's an opportunity for me to try to educate people about fitness, which is something I love. And this has allowed me to educate people in a different way, you know, in person, one-on-one. So it's right. been fun, man. Yeah. Do, do you find yourself not needing that gym setting for motivation? Or does it, do you think still, like, if you go, because I, I know a lot of times when you train at the gym, it, well, I guess it used to be with VJ and some other, some other friends of yours, but do you, so I'm sure you get the motivation there, but if you're in the gym on your own, do you still get more motivation from being in that setting than lifting at home? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last couple of years I've trained at either this place up the street called West Fit, a good friend of mine owns. It's a small gym. It used to be an anytime fitness. He moved to a slightly bigger building, expanded, has a bay door, dumbbells to 150. Um, And if I'm in there, there's a good chance that there's only one or two other people. So the gym atmosphere there isn't too much different from home. Or I go to a place uh, like there's a I have a cheap membership uh, to a place just right down the road where I can bring a guest. It's not it's not Planet Fitness. I wouldn't get a membership there, but uh, (laughs) I just don't want to support them. But this place is, you know, it's a big corporate place and I spend like, you know, 10 bucks a month. I could bring a um, a, a guest, I can, uh, you know, do all my cardio there, all that kind of stuff. But the people there, uh, there's nothing motivating about the the other guests that train at that gym. So, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm pretty self motivated at this point. I don't, I don't need that that outside um, element. You know, I'm I'm pretty motivated to kind of meet my own goals, and uh, I, it, it's it's more a personal level of satisfaction for me. So. Mm. I would I would imagine that the equipment that you have has a lot to do with that too because you have such a wide variety of equipment now 
that you don't you're not really yeah. you're not really wanting for anything any kind of a an exercise or any muscle group that you're missing with all the all the stuff you've got in there now but yeah um, yeah there's always like more you could do you know what i mean like you sure. could always use another piece that you're only going to find at a gym something random and weird or even just different angles like if i go out to uh, powerhouse uh gym novi that place is the powerhouse world headquarters but i i don't i used to go there every day that's most of my competing i've trained at that gym uh, but it's a 30 minute hike for me on the freeway. It's, uh, maybe longer during rush hour. So I could save a lot of time by not going there mm. and I end up getting just a lot more done with my day. So, yeah. but that gym, they had literally like anything you would use, they would have three different versions of it. So wow. you could use one extension one day, use another leg extension the other day, and they, they'd have a different feel to them or a different angle or sure. different mechanics. So it is nice to be able to switch those things up. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that I necessarily need to, I think part of it too, is being able to just be creative. You know, we, we, we kind of, I think have probably talked a little bit about that in the past, but I mean, if you're doing, say, even we we're talking about extensions, if you're doing a, uh, a leg extension, if you lean back, it's going to hit your leg one way versus if you lean forward, it's going to hit your quad in a completely different manner. So you can get different effects with the same equipment. You just, you know, you have to be creative and you have to listen to your body and pay attention mm. to that stuff too. So. Right. How do you find those creative outlets? You yourself, do you just, is it trial and error or do you just do a lot of research, a lot of study and, and figure out what other people have done or how do you, what's your approach? Uh, more real world, more real world. Yeah. For me, I know that there's people out there. I'm not a really big studies guy. Yeah. I'm all for listening to studies and hearing what people have to say. But I mean, sometimes you come across a study, like one of the big ones that I know Brad, Brad Schoenfeld had done, it said that there's no difference if you train to failure or don't train to failure. And that's what, that's what the outcome was that people are quoting out of this study. Mm. And I just know in my real world, it's like, I'm not even going to argue with you. you. You can go ahead and believe that if you want. I just, I just, I, I know in the real world that pushing harder and training harder than I did last time is what it's going to take to, to make progress. So I'm all about the real world and, and just having fun with it. You know, think about it. Think about, Think about, you know, how is that, how is that activating? Because here's the deal. I don't think that most people are paying attention to activation in the muscle. You know, mm -hmm. I think that when they're in the gym, they're just training the movement. You know, they're doing a bicep curl and they know that their arm goes from, you know, one position to the, to the, to the next position. They're not thinking about like, well, what's that muscle really doing? What are the other muscles that are, that are, you know, being used in there as well? And then what can I do to change that or alter that, get more out of it, you know? My my favorite thing so far is that he said he's not, not a studies guy, so he figured it out, and he brought Scott Stevenson on one of the shows. Yeah. Who is a complete studies guy. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. But yeah. He's, uh, a, he's a blend. You know, Scott's a guy who will say, let's look at this study. Let's take it apart. Let's see what can be learned from it. But he's not married to it. And yeah. Here's the deal. is sure. I think there's a lot of people, they use studies to prove whatever point they're trying to make. And it's easy to do that with a study. Yes. Be like, see, this study proves my point. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, okay, yeah, if you really want to say that. But I, at the end of the day, most of the people, the vast majority of people that are that are totally focused on studies aren't that big. They haven't they haven't grown that much muscle. So it's important to be able to look at those studies. But I think it's also important to uh, to be able to look mm -hmm. at the real world too. And so Scott kind of blends those two things together. Oh, absolutely. And Colt and I have talked about this on several occasions, not even particular to bodybuilding or anything uh, health fitness related. But if you want to study to justify whatever your belief already is, your preconceived notion, mm -hmm. you, you can find it. You know, and if you want to do a study to reinforce some kind of a notion that you have. <laughs> You can yeah. manipulate the numbers because they're fickle, and you can shape those numbers, and you can shape the the sample. You can shape, you know, whatever it is that it, within the study that you want to uh, that you that you want to justify your preconceived notion. Absolutely. You can you can do that. That doesn't oh, yeah. necessarily mean that studies are rendered completely useless. It doesn't mean that they there's no you know no benefit to having those studies necessarily because I think that sure. you could, you can grow somewhat still from, from, you know, at least knowing what the study, what the outcome was, but yeah. uh, you, you can't put everything into that study because it's just, it's just a set of numbers that someone compiled in order to paint a, the kind of picture that they were looking to paint. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. 
And so we've talked about that, I know, with like vitamin intake and, and all kinds of different things, because I'm, I'm a big vitamin C guy, and I, I preach vitamin C, and Colt likes to push back and say there's a threshold, uh, there's only yeah. so much you can take, and so we kind of banter back and forth about that with, with some minimal studies to, to back each other up, but... Uh, it's yeah, just it's yeah. just it's just kind of fun to bring that to the forefront so that we can actually it gives you it gives you a little a little teeth I guess behind the the conversation um, because otherwise it's kind of hard to for me to prove how much vitamin C is doing for my body I, I just feel it you know and I feel it in my mind and I can't show yeah. you that physically <laughs> you just have to yeah, believe yeah. me but no here's this study let me back it up with this study right here that says I'm right but at any rate um, yeah we, we're having another round of. This stupid COVID come through our area uh, more recently, uh, and, and so once again, I am uh, out of the gym for a while. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. There was, uh, I, I think we jumped the gun down here a little too quickly uh, when when everything first started to hit, and by we, I just mean our region and the quarantine and things like that, but now the numbers are, are stacking up, and uh, so I'm, I'm really interested in watching your, your home gym you know, just take really life and watching it develop on on social media it's it's been uh i was showing colt the pictures of of it earlier on, on your facebook page and oh, right it, it, it just looks really nice it looks like you've got what you need and and even the atmosphere the environment looks really good so how are things going up there in your area as far as just the the quarantine are, are, are you you guys back on lockdown has this been once again more of a forced i got to do this home gym thing because i'm never going to be able to get out of the house again or What's going on? Yeah, I, well, I never had really lost my ability to go to the gym. Okay. Um, I still had access all the way through. Uh, Michigan, I believe, is one of the couple states that is that has yet to illegally open gyms up yet. So ah. technically, we're not supposed to have gyms open. We have never supposed to have gyms open yet. But we got to a point where some people started to to push back, and they began opening up. I know that a lot of the powerhouse gyms have opened. Uh, this crunch fitness by me has opened, uh, Mike's gym West fit is opened. And, um, you know, they, at the end of the day, you got to make money, you know, and, and they aren't mm -hmm. getting any kind of relief. So, you know, if you take a place like crunch where they're probably spending, you know, upwards to $50,000 a month on rent, if not higher, you know, building like where they're at, it might be 200, you know, if they've got to spend that kind of money per month, I mean, what what are you supposed to do? So they've been having all sorts of issues. I know they've even had uh, raids at gyms. Uh, most recently, one of the more recent raids was uh, they ticketed the gym owner. Uh, plus they ticketed everybody who was working out as well wow. for being there. So, you know, it kind of scared some people off, I think, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of split regardless. I'll always have a gym I can go to. And then at the end of the day, though, I'm, I'm happy to keep training from home. On the other side of things, like business side of things, I'll tell you what, too, it's been fun because once I put this together, I thought to myself, hey, I could extend, you know, my education between, you know, coaching and, and podcasting. This will give me another venue. And now I found I, I have two clients that I train two times a week each. And I'm not charging an exorbitant amount of money for training, but um, I'm seeing it's like I had a bunch more people reach out mm. and I could have taken on like pretty much a, a, I'd say a better than a part-time amount of training clients, like literally out the gate. So to me, it's been pretty cool to see, you know, as a, as a person that is an independent business person, I think that streams, multiple streams of income are important. So I have, I have probably like five different streams running and it was cool to see, wow, in a drop of a hat, I was able to, to, to put this additional stream in place and then if I wanted to, I could, I could lean into that. You know, I could, if I had to, I could make more money off of that. I'm happy to keep it where it's at just two clients, two times a week. They both train on the same days, but uh, it's, it's kind of cool to, to see that. And plus make a little bit of side income while mm. I'm at it. You know? nice. nice. I'm interested to see like per personal training. Do you think that's going to evolve in this state of us using zoom all the time and Skype and Dude. things like that? I mean, you've, yeah. of course, the in-person face-to-face is always the best route to go. But, I mean, it's the next best thing, it seems like, when you've got Zoom now for just, you know, personal training. I don't know if you guys have known anybody who's doing that, but I've heard, uh, I know two people personally that are training people via Zoom. Uh, they These people, their clients have equipment at home. Nice. And they basically just, you know, set their phone up on something while they're working out and that the the person is basically there with them. So, it is working. People are getting benefit out of it. 
Um, and I definitely think it could be part of the evolution. I mean, everything's kind of going to that. I know my, I have two very young nephews that have been doing tutoring in school through Zoom. So right. it's like, I think that anything that could be taken through Zoom is being taken through Zoom. I don't think I'm going to go that route. You know, I'm, I, I want to be really hands-on with people here and I'm trying to train with a very specific demographic of people, lifters. Um, but I could see how you could definitely make some money with it that route. Yeah. Never leave your home doing it. <laughs> right. Right. I think there's going to be a lot of evolution because of this, a lot of forced evolution that comes yeah. because you're just going to have to adapt or, 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 you know, die, I guess, whatever you not necessarily literally die, but whether you're, you have a business or whether it's yeah. education or something like that, you're either going to zoom or get off the pot, you know, because <laughs> I don't, I don't think we, a lot of people have a choice right now. And, yeah. and there are some memes out there, you know, that say something like, well, now this is just proof that this meeting could have happened by email all this time, or it could have happened by a video conference all yeah. this time. I didn't really, really need to go to the office now, did I? Yeah. And, and it's just kind of this, it's forcing us into, into the realm of technology. Um, but, you know, which I say forced into that realm, but at the same time, I think we're kind of, we're fortunate to be in this time period where the technology was already available. We yeah. just weren't using it to max capacity so that you, you can adapt and evolve and, and kind of keep moving forward. I agree 100%. Yeah. So, and that's, that was a good question. I've, I've wondered about that too, how personal training is going to shape due to this. And um, happy to hear that you got that opportunity again. And, and the passion, I think, is, is how you put it. You've got a passion for, for training again. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I have a passion for training just period, you know, not just yeah. training people, but, but educating myself. I, uh, You know, I think that there's always as as somebody who loves bodybuilding, loves fitness, there's always an aspect of it that I'm leaning into harder. And at one time it would have been more about the nutrition. Another time it would have been maybe more about the super supplements, the steroids and, you know, PEDs. And and I'd say at this point, training has been what's really excited me for the past few years. And I'm really seeing just how important training is, how much you can really manipulate the physique with specific types of training. So so for me, it's been a really cool thing to to dive into, you know, mm. a, little, a little bit more. Uh, and, and, and personal training is something I, I had actually done it in the past years ago. Uh, I worked for Bally. I think they've been out of business for a while now. Um, but it just the, the, the prices that you had that they were charging to a person to train, uh, the cut that I would get from each session uh, in the way that they were marketing it. I just wasn't down with that. It didn't feel honest to me. Uh, so, and, and I wasn't really, the people that they were really targeting were, it were, were people that, um, people that, that, I don't even know how to put it. People that really weren't that motivated to begin with. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like almost making people feel bad about not training, you know, and, and making them feel like they needed a trainer, teaching them exercises that required you to be there. That's some of the fuckery that I think you get with personal training is you get people who, who will teach you an exercise where you have to throw a ball to them and then they throw it back to you. And then what do you do if you're going to train at home on your own? You, you don't have the tools. I, the, the people that I train, I want them to have tools, just like my nutrition clients. I want them to have tools that if we work together for two years or two months, I want you to be able to walk away with something you're going to be able to carry with you yeah. for the rest right. of your training. Yeah. I want you to learn, you mm-hmm. know? I love that approach. I, we take that approach in, in my field as well. You want people to be able to take what they learn and use it for themselves and, and to be able to grow and develop from that, not yeah, yeah. not to depend on you, and, and <clears throat> not for long term at least. You know, And at some point, right. it becomes kind of a thankless position because they don't need you anymore, and they, they, they move yes. on, and they spread yeah, their wings. Yeah. But that, that shows me that, hey, this worked. This was, a, this you know, um, teach someone to be able to teach themselves and to be able to grow themselves and develop themselves. And oh, so, yeah. so I love that approach that, that you have there. I, th- I think that's phenomenal because, you know, you're, you're collecting a fee, and so a lot of people would probably say, well, I need you to be around forever because, I, you know, <laughs> for them, they need that money stream coming in, but it, it's because, they, you know, they want to keep showing and showing and showing and not have the client themselves do, do, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think absolutely. I think prep coaching is a little different because you know when you're talking about somebody going into contest, they need that extra eye to be able to you know watch those things and you know diet people's bodies change with diets from one competition to another and all that kind of stuff too. But when it comes to like personal training, you know you you train somebody for a year or two or whatever. If they can't 
do a good, you know, the decent job on their own after that without your help, then you weren't really a good personal trainer in the first place. I don't think. Yeah, I think there with so I could I could see it, you know, both ways because I think at the same time, I know there it, it depends on your motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? for sure. If if there is somebody like you were talking about with gyms, you know, if somebody um, if somebody needs that motivation or wants that motivation by being in a gym atmosphere and that helps to push them, then so be it. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're the kind of person that wants a trainer to be there and that that's going to keep you accountable and you could afford to, then why the heck not? You sure. know, then yeah. you can do that for the rest of your life if you want. So, you know, honestly, though, that's not what I'm quite looking for. Those aren't the clients that I, I want. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. I'm looking for people that want to learn, that want to be the best that they can. And, you know, that almost want to take on a um, almost like a, a an internship, you know, almost in in and that's the way i've done it you know i've taken on other people's ideas i've tried them on and i've given them a hundred percent effort you know i listened i know you guys have had john meadows on i listened to his ideas for years and years and i really dove into what he preached and i really tried it on and i made it mine 100 percent and then from there it, it evolved and i found someone else i really looked up to and i followed him and you know, and it's evolved. A lot of a lot of the stuff I've looked toward now is Dr. Scott Stevenson, and uh, and I I found that now though it's becoming a melding of all those ideas. Right. But there was a time where I like really dove in. I really gave it a full try, and then afterward I could step back and be like, okay, well, what did work for me out of that, and what didn't? You know, what would I change? Then you take the things that do work, and you you know you get rid of the rest. And so there was a time I wouldn't want a personal train. Because I feel like I'd just be regurgitating someone else's ideas, you know, basically, I'm just copying john, you know, uh, but now at this point, yeah, there's definitely some John Meadows in my training. There's no question <laughs> about it. He's influenced me, right. but it's not all that you know that's that's just an element, yeah, yeah, I think patience is a big thing though that people don't have, and like you said, there's uh, a time where you find a certain kind of training. You put 100% effort into it for a long enough amount of time to see results from what you're doing. A lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people are like, oh, I did that for two weeks and I didn't see my arms didn't get any bigger. So I'm going to I'm going to go to somebody else and see watch their videos and see what they can do for me. Yeah, you got to fall in love with the style, fall in love with the process, you know, Mm -hmm. and and make it yours. And you got to believe it. You know, it's um. I think that that's, that's what's worked for me. Any, any time that I've really gotten completely immersed and that's, I think the best word I could use is immersed in someone's training style. It's like, you know, I've lived it, I've breathed it and I've wanted to. And so that that it was easy to keep doing it because I wanted to keep doing it. You know, it's not like I just saw something that was new or novel, uh, you know, on on YouTube and then was like, Hey, I'm going to try it. It was, you know, it was a much deeper approach. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, and just really quickly, uh, kind of to cap that subject off, another reason why I could think that you might want to have a trainer, a personal trainer, in more of a long term is because you tend to level up, right? And so at the beginning, you have one goal, and once you reach that goal, then you need some support and some guidance on the next goal that you have as far as your as far as your nutrition and fitness go. And so yeah, that, that's yeah. why you would need to, to kind of take someone in, in a longer term fashion and not just that's more of a shorter term. So that, that would be a possibility too, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, Scott, I know that you have recently, at least somewhat recently, sustained an injury. So I was hoping you could tell us what happened mm-hmm. there and, and kind of walk us through your recovery so far. And I got to I gotta say, I, I, I want to start off by your quote once again on social media that you're taking it slow. Um, taking it easy, taking it slow, something along those lines, paraphrasing, but uh, because you've got the rest of your life um, yeah, yeah. To, to to make this happen, and so I, that that was kind of uh, that was kind of inspiring for me because I'm I'm a, I tend to be an all or nothing guy, I go ninety to nothing when I when I do something, and yeah. that really spoke volumes to me because you're like, hey, you know, just take it easy, Scott, take it slow. I, I you know got the rest of my life to do this, so yeah, if you could just kind of walk us through what's going on with you there, man. Yeah, it's funny because um, uh, Victoria. Uh, saw a set that I did of hack squats this week and it was brutal. Like it was really brutal. And she was like, yeah, I thought you were taking it slow. (laughs) 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 And I am, I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see where I can push and looking at where I I need to dial back. Now, 
what I ended up having was uh, just a partial rupture of um, a tendon in my shoulder. Hmm. And, and realistically, it's not that, that bad. Uh, my shoulder probably looks like anybody's shoulder who's been training for a long time. Uh, there's some fraying in the tendons. There's a lot of tendonitis, little calcification, a little bit of tendinosis. So it's not great. You know, I'm actually, I want to talk to, um, a guy that I've had on the programs, Adam Lamb, he has a, a stem cell clinic down in Texas. So I'm actually going to consider getting some stem cells injected in both of my shoulders. Wow. Um, but, uh, you know, I, um, I didn't do anything to, to sustain this injury. You'd think it would be, uh, some point, the definitive moment where I said, Oh my God, my shoulder just hurts. But I just, um, I took two days off of training. I, uh, I went in, gave some blood. And then that evening I had this like minor pain in the top of the shoulder and the AC joint. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just make note going to bed. Uh, keep in mind, cause I'm training tomorrow. And then I woke up the next morning, two hours early in excruciating pain. And uh, over the next two days, it just got worse and worse by uh, two nights later. I was ready to go. Like I was, I don't go to the hospital, you know, often. Like I don't think I've ever like felt terrible and decided I was going to go to the hospital in my adult life. It's never happened, but I had called my doctor, which you know, I never call her on her personal number uh, unless it's, you know, it was an emergency though. So I texted her, she called me back and I was contemplating it because I didn't know what was going on. And the pain was like a nine out of 10, 10 being like intolerable. Um, it had totally swollen up too. Like there was no, no difference between like my, like from the, the, the neck down the shoulder, down the bicep was all just one big blob Holy at cow. that point. And I didn't, I'd done nothing, you know, like I said, I hadn't trained for 48 hours. Um, but yeah, it somehow at some point I, I had some imaging done that there was a, a partial tear. Um, so I could recover from this. If I, if I were stupid, if I were to jot, dive back in and push hard, um, I could completely tear it probably. If I give it rest, if I give it time, then I can heal it. In fact, doing those hack squats, I didn't realize it messed me up because having the weight on my shoulders. I was going to ask pads, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was either that or having my arm in the up position, holding the handles yeah. during the movement. One of the two things the next day, or actually later that day, my shoulder was really, really sore again. So I inflamed it a little bit more. I'm not going to be able to do something in that movement for a little while still it's back to no pain now um but yeah listen you know we all are going to get hurt it's it's what you do with it i think one of the earliest pieces of advice i got was in bodybuilding it's not what you do if you get hurt it's what you do when you get hurt you know and especially early on you know when you don't understand good form you, I, you suffer a lot more injuries. I got hurt a lot more when I was a kid. I rarely get hurt now, but I am pushing as heavy as I can. I've been, I've been pushing a lot of weight and, and growing too. I'm like uh, 40 pounds up than I was a year ago this time. So, and I'm, I, I've had a goal at 43 years old to be the heaviest I've ever been, uh, which I still believe I can achieve. It's just going to be a little bit of a slower process. Um, so there's nothing I really need to do with rehab. I could get some work done on the tendonitis some soft tissue work. Basically, I just need to take it easy for a little while longer. Okay. Why, why is your goal to be the heaviest of your life at 43? Just because you can be in good shape at that weight? Yeah. Well, okay. So for me, I've never been a huge guy, but I've never, I've also never gotten really fat either. So, uh, you know, competitively, Last time I competed was around like 193. And I now normally a guy who competes at 193, they might be 220, 230, right? Somewhere in there. I started that diet at like 205. So wow. I really didn't lose that much weight, you know, mm -hmm. to that much fat. I, I, I stay pretty lean. I'm a little bit fatter than that right now, but you know, it's to be expected. Um, but the heaviest I ever got was maybe 2014. I got up to maybe close to 230. And it was just like teetering on 230. Now I'm at 225, 230 without trying. And I know it's, and that comes back to the training. For me, I know that the style of training that I've adopted has allowed me to grow that much better. And so a lot of things have been clicking. 
when I was at 220, 230 before, it was a lot of effort and I could feel the stress. I could feel my blood pressure going up. In fact, I, I mean, I checked it too. My blood pressure went up. Uh, I felt short on breath. I felt uncomfortable. It was harder to tie my shoes, stuff like that. Now I'm just feeling normal. I don't feel any different at this size. So I'm happy to keep pushing that size up because I know I can comfortably continue doing that and do that within health. So that's been the long-term goal. I used strength as my means to get there. So I fell in love with strength. I fell in love with my training style. And and, and by falling in love with that, meaning I enjoy doing it, I, I look forward to doing that, and I, I'm passionate about it, that's kind of, as a side effect, the size comes. So I really do believe that that's, that's what's the difference now is, is the training. But, you know, that's a long answer. The short answer is that I just... I just feel like it would be easy to do right now. I'm gotcha. not eating a ton of food. I'm not pushing. I'm not taking a bunch of drugs. You know, it just all I'm doing is just training harder. Hmm. How, how would you frame your training style? What is that? Um, I try to get the most I possibly can out of the least amount of volume so that I can recover and do it again as soon as possible. Okay. So, you know, it, it I used to train one time a week, you know, nowadays everybody refers to that it, it, like one body part a day, you know, everything got trained once a week and everybody refers to that as the bro split nowadays. Right. Uh, right. I'm sure. You guys have heard that term. Maybe we have. Yeah. Um, and here's the deal. So if you, if you uh, train really hard, you know, you get all the local growth factors, you get upregulation of protein synthesis in that muscle it would only make sense to be able to do that as often as possible. You know, a guy like Brandon Curry, he might not need to, he's got great genetics and he might grow from anything he does. Uh, a guy like me, I could use more growth factors to, to, to get that muscle to grow, you know? So I need to trigger the, that protein synthesis. I need to trigger the muscle to grow as often as I can. And I discovered this by accident in 2017 Due to an issue, due to bicep tendonitis, I uh, I found that if I if I trained chest for four full exercises, that my chest would hurt, right? My shoulder would hurt. So I thought to myself, if I only do two exercises and then I come back a few days later on my shoulder day and I do two more exercises, I, I don't have any pain. Plus, if you think about it, like where's your real strength going in a chest workout? It's like you're not going to be, you know, four exercises in, you're not pushing as hard as you are on that first exercise, right? Right. So what I figured out was I can push just as hard both times. Plus my shoulder doesn't bother me. It sounds like a great plan. I'll keep doing this. What I found as a result was my chest grew. A few months later, I was like, wow, I'm getting some good development. So it was a mental hurdle to switch everything to two times a week. But then I switched and, and basically do like a push-pull legs type routine and uh, everything gets hit about once every five days now instead of once every seven. Hmm. It's very interesting for a couple of different factors. I have a chronic shoulder issue. I've never had it checked out. I have no idea actually what it is. Um, okay. But my left shoulder, especially in any kind of push exercises on my chest and shoulders, um, I, I experience pain. And it, it subsides pretty, like, relatively quickly. It doesn't stick around after the workout, but during the workout, every, every just about every time if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as far as the uh, the workload, then I experience that pain. And so the approach that you took may help me out quite a bit because just for the pain factor, like like you said, you were experiencing that pain because you were pushing through four exercises on on one group of muscles. So that, that definitely might be something that I need to investigate and if I get some growth out of it, that's even icing on the cake. What's uh, where's the pain at? Can you point it out? Um, just you know, in my basic shoulder area uh, up top so here. So you're pointing at the top. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, that's where it seems to be pulsating from the from the from the center of my shoulder somewhere in there. Where you know, is it a sharp the, pain? Yeah, it, it is, and then it dulls over a little bit of time. Um, but it, uh, it starts out being pretty relatively sharp. I think it yeah. wouldn't hurt to get that checked out. You know, you yeah. can get, yeah. Nowadays they have like, um, they have ultrasound technology that isn't that expensive to do. And if you have, I know you, you probably have insurance with, you know, your, with your company and everything, I'd say check that out. Cause you could get that done 
out of prior auth or anything like that and and find out a little bit more information about it um i i'd say it, it wouldn't hurt because it sounds like you know the pain you're feeling is similar to the pain i'm feeling and part of being the best you can be is being understanding what you have going on understanding what your limitations are sure um you know if i didn't if i didn't go in and find out what was going on with my shoulder, then I wouldn't know how to deal with it. You know, mm -hmm. you might just be dealing with some tendonitis. And if that's the case, you know, there are fixes for that. And the sooner you take care of it, the better, you know, or maybe there's a rupture, who knows, you know, yeah. it'd be, but regardless though, it'd be, it'd be worth finding out. Mm. With a rupture, don't you think I would be feeling the pain more often, like as opposed to just when I'm trying to push some heavier weight? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, I think there's all sorts of issues, you know. Maybe there's a definitive moment years ago that you don't even remember when you were a kid, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was and it's healed now and it's just healed in a weird way. You know, I it's it's hard it's so hard to say, you sure. know. I mean, it's it's like I know I'd hurt my shoulder so many times throughout my life that it's kind of hard to say like, well, what was there was no real cause, but there was a lot of causes, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. They all stack up over time for sure. And, yeah, and once yeah. you, I think once you reach a certain age, they, a lot of it comes to fruition, and all those little injuries that you had as a, as a youngster <laughs> when they really didn't didn't affect you much then, kind of now, yeah. they they stack up and, and cause things like that. But it cripples you because you slept wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, because I laid right. wrong in bed and I can't move. But that's yeah. that's another reason why I'm so interested in recovery in general, though, Scott. Um, yeah. Uh, aside from rest, I mean, I think anyone who knows anything about recovery knows you have to get rest in order to recover. That's that's right. probably the number one component to being able to recover properly. But what else is there that's that's uh, imperative for recovery that you could tell us? Uh, just in general, uh, whether it be an injury or not, what what do we need to focus on in order to really recover after after a good workout and, and just for good health? Okay, so I think that anything I'm going to say is probably going to sound, it's going to be very logical. So sure. when I say it, you might be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense, but you might not have thought of it before. Um, you know, when I talk about training more frequently, getting the most I can out of the least, the reason I need to get the most I can out of the least is because I need to be able to recover from what I'm doing. You know, I just, one of my, one of my personal training clients, he's doing the push pull leg split. One of the reasons we wanted to work together, he wanted to work with me was because I, he had tried that split in the past unsuccessfully. He got burnt out from it. He wasn't getting enough recovery. And uh, I looked at his plan and every time he trained legs, he was doing a squat variation. And he was doing this twice a week. Everything was getting hit twice a week. Every time he trained back, he was doing deadlifts. He had maybe four or five exercises for, for back between pull downs and rows and deadlifts, all this stuff, you know, all in one workout. And then again, a few days later. Now for me, what I would suggest doing is a lot, lot less. When I say get the most out of the least, not everybody could do this, but I'm doing maybe one really hard working set for an exercise, maybe two, a back off set from there. So if I only do, if I do push, that's going to be, I'll do two chest exercises. One of them might be a pre-activation, like a, like a pack deck. And I'll only do like two sets of that. And then I'll do two sets of incline dumbbell press. And that's it for chest. Now I'm going to be able to recover a lot faster from that than if I were to follow that up by another nine sets. Right. You know, so I think the key with recovery is how much volume you're doing. You got to look at your workout. You got to, and that's something where you have to feel it out because that's where individuality comes in. Everybody's recovery ability is going to be different. So you got to see what can I handle? How hard can I push to get everything I need to out of this yet still be ready in time? So of course, that's assuming that rest is in place, that your nutrition is in place. Let's figure out how to how many working sets should you do as an individual. Both you guys are probably going to be different. But, you know, for me, I found that with what I'm doing, I can handle like four really hard, brutal sets and then get out. There's no reason to do any more. There's no reason to do any more than that. Now, that said, it does take me a while to work up to those sets. And I've been learning to, to harness that that intensity for a long time. 
somebody else who doesn't have that level of intensity, maybe they are going to need more volume to make up for it. But still use the least amount of volume you can to get the activation out of it. You know, um, I think that we were all tricked by Arnold Schwarzenegger in his book. <laughs> he had the book, you know, the Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding and his training programs were four hours long and sometimes two a days. And great. That's great for Arnold. That's great for Brandon Curry. You could throw anything at those guys and they're going to grow. There's no question about it. But you take a guy with average genetics like myself and you ask me to put on 50 pounds of muscle, uh, it's going to be a different road to get there. And I'm not going to be able to handle doing two a days. I'm not going to be able to handle, uh, you know, training for two hours, three hours at a time. I have done that, but then it takes me forever to recover. Now, you know, going back to that, that, uh, that frequency, if I were to, you know, bust my butt in the gym for two hours, it might take me six, seven days before I can do it again. If, if I uh, can, you know, get a lot more out of less, I may recover faster, but if I start throwing in as a lot of people call it junk volume and I'm doing like, now I do three sets of pack deck and now I do three sets of cable flies and, you know, three sets of this. And then I go to dips, all that stuff, you know, you're using those joints more, which are only going to break down with time, mm. you know, and you're, and you're just taxing the muscle, taxing the muscle with less than optimal energy and force, you know? Right. Yeah. So just, just, it serves you to break you down more. So definitely, how much can you handle? I think that that would be how much volume, how much intensity, how much training can you handle uh, and still recover? It, it's probably impossible to know, but like going back to Arnold, do you think that with genetics playing a big role that it, say if Arnold was training the way that you train, that he would have had the same results? Maybe, you know, I, I think no matter what Arnold would have been fine. Yeah. I really do. I think that he could handle anything. You know, when I interviewed Brandon Curry, um, actually it was Dr. Scott Stevenson and I interviewed him together most recently the last show we had him on. Um, he had said that he had, he had listened to everything that we've learned in bodybuilding about how you need to take rest and that you need to, you know, back off and all that. The question I asked him was, you know, how did you make so much progress in the last couple of years? And he said all his life, he, he thought about those things, but then he learned one day that he was different than most people and that he could handle basically anything and that he would recover and that he would grow. And that's important to figure out too. It took right. him a while to figure that out, but you know, he could handle anything and still grow. So I think there are people like Arnold, people like Brandon out there that are going to be able to, uh, to make a lot of great progress, no matter what they do. And for them, you know, more power to them, more power to them. We all want to be able to have fun and really, you know, torture in the gym for, you know, two or three hours at a time. If we like training, that's a great idea. You, right. know? you know, the hardest thing I think for a lot of us to do is take a day off. Yeah. You know, that's, I think one of the biggest things I run into with people that are interested in training is actually stepping away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the people that I'm seeing make the best progress with this push pull leg split, their intensity has gotten so high and they've fallen such in love with the idea of the progressive overload, meaning getting a little bit more than you did last time right that they're willing to take more time off some guys that were training six days a week that are down to four now you know because then you say to yourself it's like okay i have that big chest day that i'm supposed to do last time i got 110 pounds for eight reps i'm supposed to get it for at least nine this time you know in order to do a little bit more than i did last time right um but i'm feeling a little off i just trained back i just trained legs why don't I take one more day rest? Then it starts making sense to take more rest because you get competitive with yourself. And you're like, if I took one more day rest, I know that when I go to the gym that next day, I'll be able to rip it up and I'll be strong and I'll be able to meet those demands that I want to set for myself, you know? So I, I think that, that, like I said, falling in love with the process, you could really, you could, you, you, you could change a lot of things you might not have expected. Mm, right. I, I think, I think it goes back to that mentality of like leaving everything in the gym every day. And yeah. I think people push it too far when it comes to that. Like the way you train, you could probably throw in junk sets at the end of your training if you wanted to, but it really depends sure. on what are you actually getting out of that? Or have you already gotten the most out of what you could out of your working sets and maybe you should go home and recover now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But now here, the other end of the spectrum is, and this may be the case for some of your listeners that, um, there was a time that I couldn't bring the intensity I bring now. 
Oh yeah. So if I, if I wanted to grow something, my first thought was like, well, okay, I want to do extra sets, you know, why don't I, you know, and that's the first thought people have is, well, I need to grow. I want to grow my arms bigger. Should the next, the first question they ask is, should I do an extra arm day? You know, in fact, usually the answer is do less, do a little bit less than what you're doing. You're probably already doing a little bit too much for a given muscle group. And that's another thing I learned from COVID was it forced me to back off a little bit. I didn't train as often. And that's when the growth really started happening for me. Oh, wow. A lot of things came together for me. A lot of ideas out that were already churning were kind of actualized because I did take a little bit more time off and I started seeing the progress grow. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, we all want to leave it in all in the gym, you know, every time we train and I can do that with two sets in right. an exercise where somebody else, they may not be able to. And in that case, you know, there's a balance there and that's where you may need to use a little bit more volume, but that's why I say really feel yourself out, use the least amount you possibly can to get the job done. Hmm. Right. Words of wisdom. And it kind of starts with perspective, right? Having a plan, having a strategy, making yeah, sure that you're yeah. not just going all balls all the time because you're going to, A, probably not experience the gains that you want, but also you, I'm going to get hurt if, if, I, if I don't take those, sure. set, those days of rest. And it is tough because sure. you get on a roll, you know. You, I get on a roll. I get on a roll to where it's like I've been in the gym. I don't want to stop. And yeah. I have to sometimes force myself to, to take a break, to take those days off to recover. And I know I, I need to do it more <laughs> generally. Um, right now it's pretty easy because – COVID's forcing me to take time off and my home gym is not as nearly as developed as yours. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, something to work on though, maybe, but um, Scott, if you could, I, I know that we, we kind of talked about this pre-show and it's not going to be necessarily a long conversation, but I did have a friend <laughs> and, and, and just to get, just to preface um, that this friend of mine, he was, he's not a bodybuilder. He is recently, I, over the past couple of years, really focused trying to hone in on his nutrition, his his physical activity, uh, more of a natural in more of a natural setting outside of the gym. Uh, but he asked me if, if we had ever done a show on SARMs or ever addressed the topic of SARMs at all. And yeah. I told him I had not, but that I would look into it and then find someone who was knowledgeable about these kinds of things, at least to some degree. And, and just get some very basic information on the use of, of SARMs. Um, he is experiencing, and, and I, he's going to see his his physician, of course, which is always the best thing to do. And, and of course, that's where you want to get your medical information from as much as possible as someone who <laughs> right, went to school right. for umpteen years <laughs> to do so. But uh, he is experiencing low T and looking at several different kinds of, uh, of avenues to take, and I didn't get into it too much as to why he didn't just or he's not going to a special clinic a men's clinic uh, that specializes in that Uh, but he was asking me about SARMs and what kind of benefits that it might have for him Um, and so I just thought we could maybe address what you know about SARMs and and give some very basic general information to to kind of put out there. How old is he? He is probably 43, 44, 45. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he would qualify for TRT then you have to be over a certain age in the U S I believe it's 35 to qualify for testosterone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few thoughts here then there's, there's a bunch I could dig into. So for starters, um, SARMs or an anabolic steroid cycle, which I would consider SARMs to be basically the same thing. Uh, at this point, most of them are illegal categorized in the same way as mm. anabolic steroids, but some of them aren't, uh, though they they aren't uh, approved for human use either. So there is maybe some gray area there, but maybe they're slightly more legal in some cases than steroids. But as far as the effect goes, look at SARMs and steroids as basically the same thing. So where he's at right now, no matter what he takes, no matter what he does, um, it's not going to improve his testosterone levels long-term. So if he were to say run a SARM cycle or run a steroid cycle, and then he comes off to that in eight weeks, he will be in the exact same place he was before, if not worse, because he's created some natural suppression of his own test levels. Mm. And I found 
that guys that already have a weaker production of test are more likely to get shut down harder right. than a guy um, that had a strong production to begin with. And make no mistake, uh, the uh, 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 testosterone, uh, excuse me, sorry, I got a bunch of texts from one of my clients just popped up. Uh, make no mistake that uh, uh, SARMs will shut you down. The idea, so the idea is that they're supposed to be uh, selective androgen receptor modulators, meaning that they only attach to the receptors that we want them to attach to in our body and not to others. So right. that the idea was that they wouldn't shut you down, that they wouldn't, there's a negative feedback loop. If your body senses there's testosterone in your body, which it reads a steroid as a testosterone because testosterone is a steroid. Um, if it senses any steroids in your body, it will stop producing your own natural production because it will say we have plenty. So whether you have a SARM, whether you have uh, a steroid in your body, it, it, it doesn't see the difference. And SARMs do attach to more than just where we want them to. And for that reason, you will get some shutdown from them. Um, so number one, yeah, you'll be in the same position after you come off the cycle, if not in a worse place, then what are you going to do? That's not a long-term answer. The long-term answer would be to get on either some type of replacement therapy, which you have to come to terms with because you know, if you have low testosterone and it's affecting your quality of life, uh, by taking that, you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to improve your quality of life. You'll be able to improve your progress. You we talk about recovery. Having optimal testosterone levels is key for optimal recovery. Right. You'll find that you know for the majority of I'll tell you what for the majority of the last few years I've only trained on basically like high level of testosterone replacement as well as growth hormone replacement, and that's all I've needed to train my butt off and push really hard. Um, and, and, and you could do so much with that alone. You get on the cycle kick and now you're going up and then you're coming down and you're going up and you're coming down. And with him, I think it would just be, uh, it would be a fact of coming down even further each time. Mm. So, you know, SARMs, they're, they're kind of big bastardized steroids. You know, as I already mentioned, they, uh, they were trying to create something that would have all the positive effects of a steroid without the negative side effects. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different SARMs out there um, that are going to have, you know, various different effects. Uh, but for the most part, they aren't as effective as actual steroids are. And in some cases, they're actually more dangerous and, and, and more like more hard on your health than, than an anabolic steroid, steroid would be. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's some really nasty side effects from some of those SARMs out there. So honestly, I, you know, and I'm not suggesting anybody does this, but if you were interested in going that route, I'd say just jump onto a real steroid versus a SARM. That really? would be my suggestion. Um, I can tell you that, you know, uh, anybody I know that is in bodybuilding, anybody, if you're looking to take this stuff, you're looking to grow as much muscle as you possibly can. And in the real world, you know, if we shoot for the stars, we're probably going to be lucky to reach the clouds, you know? Mm. So uh, you, you, you want to put it hundred percent in, you know, you want to, you want to go all in. If you say to yourself like, well, I don't want to grow a ton of muscle. It's like, Hey, don't worry. You won't grow a ton of muscle. That doesn't happen overnight. There's a good chance. You know, most people will never be able to get really, truly big. But if you go in with the mindset of, I only want to grow a couple pounds and I'm willing to do what it takes to grow a couple pounds, and you probably won't gain much at all. So right. go in trying to make as much progress as you possibly can, and then settle for a little bit less. Uh, if and, and, and honestly, that if you're looking to commit to this, you're looking to commit to using, you know, a performance enhancing drug. And I would try to use the best ones possible. And, and honestly, my first thought would be get yourself situated with testosterone before you got, you know, in, in regular replacement therapy, commit to that before you thought about doing anything else. Um, there's some people out there that'll tell you how awesome SARMs are. Um, I think there's a lot of miseducation and I think there's a lot of slanted uh, perspectives because a lot of the people that are the biggest SARMs advocates are also selling them. Mm. In fact, I know of one guy who was all anti-SARM and anti-peptide. Uh, and then he got affiliated with a company 
that sold that stuff. And then all of a sudden he changed his story and he was like, Oh yeah, you can do a lot with SARMs and, mm. and all of this. And he started a YouTube page and I think he got kicked off of YouTube since, but <laughs> nonetheless though, yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of, sto- a lot of perspectives out there that you'll get. You just have to be careful where you get them from. I don't have any investment. Let me tell you that right now. Right. I don't have any investment. I'm not selling testosterone. I'm not selling uh, SARMs. I'm not selling anything, but I can tell you that none of the pro bodybuilders that I affiliate myself with have ever used SARMs. I'm talking the people who've been able to grow the most amount of muscle have not used that stuff. It's just the people that I know that have used SARMs, they also, they highly believe that SARMs are the best thing in the world. And they're mostly pretty small dudes. Either they're small dudes or they sell SARMs. One of the two. <laughs> One of the two. It's always been that way. Makes sense. So, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. And I, I, I think that's, you, you, you're right. There's a, um, it's framed as being a little more safer. The, the SARMs are from, yeah. from anything that I've seen. I think it's because of the, you know, the receptors are selective apparently, right? They're, they select the muscle tissue as opposed to the liver or the skin like anabolics are, I guess, known to do more so. But it sounds like there's always a, a counterbalance information that's out there. You just got to dig further. And that's why we, that's why I ask you this question, Scott, because I know you're not selling anything. I know you're not <laughs> pushing for any agenda. You're just looking for people to be the best that they can. And uh, that's exactly why we, we come to you with things like this, because we do feel like we can trust you with the information. And we know that our listeners can, too. And we just always appreciate you coming on. I know you've got someone that's getting ready to compete. Um, yes. as, as we speak, she's blowing up your phone right now, needing to, to get a hold of you. So we don't want to keep you too long from being able to get her on that stage. So um, I appreciate that. And Colt, you're buying a, a house today, aren't you? Uh, signing contracts today. Well, signing contract on selling our place. Oh, on yeah. selling it. Okay. But, but we see, do have our, a house that we are buying already. Which, which so. means we do have to switch podcast studios now. So there is yeah. that. Oh, and no kidding. Yeah. No so kidding. This, this one is going to have to go by the wayside. We'll have to reconstruct a, a new one at the new place. But I mean, all we need is a white wall and put these on it. And I we're guess. Good. I don't know. <laughs> it took us a long Bring time to get this white. Yeah, on the table, right? So, yeah. Yeah, Scott, we appreciate you, man. Always good to see you. Always good to hear from you. Keep up the great work over there at Devices Radio. Um, Bodybuilding Nerds Radio, everything you do with Think Big Bodybuilding. Is that yes. right? Did I say that right? Yeah, Think Big's over at our, our YouTube. It's YouTube. Been, it's been fun growing that. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, we've been on that for about a year now. And whole new audience, whole new crowd that watches YouTube videos. And uh, sure. it's been cool. It's been a it's been a cool evolution. I've, I've, I've had a lot of fun as making it a hobby of mine to watch that grow. So, yeah. Great. Well, actually, cool. you've, I mean, like you said, you've grown a lot even since we talked to you last. So if you don't mind, go ahead and give us a rundown of the shows that you have on oh, Think Big. We, um, I mean, we do have, we've got a bunch of them. They're all still the same type thing where we have, um, you know, Bodybuilding Nerds Radio and Advices Radio is still there. Um, but now all the video content, we run through a third uh, company, I guess you'd call it, a third entity, uh which is think big bodybuilding media that's over on youtube i don't think i had that last time we spoke i don't believe so i'm not sure if we did okay uh yeah so we run all the video through there and we have a new show over there with lee priest uh renegade muscle uh you know lee's one of like the ogs in bodybuilding one of the literally one of the best ever he was in he i was listening to him talk the other week he was beating growing men for the title of like the best bodybuilder in Australia when he was 17. Holy cow. Like he won. They wouldn't give him a pro card because they said he was too young. He was like 17 beating guys that have been training all their lives. He was crowned the best bodybuilder in Australia. He did it again when he was 18, did it again when he was 19. Uh, and then they, they finally gave him the pro card, I guess. But regardless, uh, yeah, we've got Lee, uh, Dusty Henshaw and Ron Partlow are two really great bodybuilders. Uh, they have a show called It's Just Bodybuilding. Both of those shows are are exceptionally popular with the YouTube crowd. And then uh, we have all our Q&A shows, too, that we've always had. So it's a lot of fun. We have usually three to four podcasts coming out every week. Sometimes we'll have seven. But, uh, you know, it's a, we try to I'm trying to break the education down a little bit and trying to do things that are a little bit easier to grasp mm. for an audience that is newer to the sport. We used to just go really, really deep and we still have that stuff, but I also want to be able to do some stuff that will, that will help to educate the guys that are newer, maybe more like people that are casual, like your friend that's interested in SARMs, Mm -hmm. you know, sure. 
people like that. I'd like to be able to try to educate them a little more too. So that's kind of, it's kind of some of the direction that we're, we're moving toward. Nice. Right. It's been exciting to watch advices grow or think big, I guess, grow, especially when, you know, you started out with bodybuilding nerds and yeah. some of the shows you would break down are now shows that you have recruited those people to oh, yeah, yeah. podcast with. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been fun to watch it grow, man. It's cool to see, you know, what you can do in life. Like I said, with the personal training thing, I decided, you know, I put a gym together and then all of a sudden it's like, now I'm, now I'm a personal trainer. And if I wanted to, I could keep expanding that revenue stream. You know, it's, it's fun. I like keeping it all open though. And then I do, like I said at the beginning, I think that when you're a business person, an independent business person, trying to keep those revenue streams open is a lot of them is so important because that way, if one of them dries up, it's not the end of the world. Right. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Scott. Always good to see you, man. And uh, good luck to you and your your client today. I hope that uh, that turns out well for, for you all. Now, thank and, you guys very much for having me again. It was great to just kind of hang out and, and uh, shoot the breeze with you. I'd, I'd be happy to come back anytime and just let me know if you guys ever want to talk about anything else. All right. Yeah, man. Let's not wait for another year and a half this time. I know it's, <laughs> we get busy, but we'll let's get together a little, little sooner. We miss, right. we Sounds good you. to me. All right. And we are out.